Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Episode 77. All the sevens. 77. Is that switched on? It is. Um, good evening. Recording slightly later on the Tuesday. Uh, broadcasting Wednesday. Of course, for the Scott Gibson Show. I am Scott Gibson. Who else would I be? Thank you for once again joining me for another another hour or so on the Scott Gibson Show. Um, everything's running. I'm letting you see here and see behind the fourth wall here. Everything's running. I have forgot. I have I forgotten? Yes, I did forget to uh, to charge up some uh, important uh, battery uh, equipment for the show. So, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe. And uh, if at any point we cut to a still uh, near the audio, it's because uh, Gibble was uh, stupid and forgot to charge up batteries that are very important to the recording of the show. Anyway, let's continue on. Uh, episode seventy-seven. Unbelievable, uh, ever moving faster and faster towards what will be uh, our hundredth. Um, feels like a milestone. Feels like a milestone. How have we been? Good. I hope we are um, a week closer. As I broadcast this, there has been an update from the FM. Uh, not the football manager, the first minister here in Shotland. Uh, it seems as if our um, release into the wild has been brought forward. Believe it or not. Uh, by two weeks, I think the travel ban is now lifted, or at least it's uh, it's in the process of being lifted. Uh, I don't know the correct jargon, if I'm being honest, but I mean it goes off the back of England. Start of the week Monday, uh, pubs and shops reopened. Emphasis on the word pubs, because it seems as if we are a nation of alkies, unable to function in society without booze. I was. Saddened uh, and unsurprised to see the reaction to uh, beer gardens opening again in England. Um, the story of the man who camped outside the Wotherspoons in order to be the first person there when it opened. Pathetic. Absolutely fucking pathetic. I don't know where they were. It was the BBC that I saw it on. So I imagine the North East or Birmingham maybe Leeds, 
possibly Manchester. Basically, the BBC like to go to uh, the, you know, the old poverty safari. They like to go to the hard-hit spots. You'll never see the BBC uh, broadcasting about the return to shops opening from Oxford Street or some fucking uh, boutique lane in Soho. Same way, you would never see them go to a beer garden in some fucking Michelin-style gastropub. No, no, no. They'll do their broadcast from a Wotherspoons because they know the type of fucking gutter journalism they like to push. So, we were being interviewed, uh, or we saw them interviewing people who were turning to the high street. They had a, a gaggle of women uh, screaming, holding uh, Primark bags, uh, again, trying to paint the picture of the average uh, English stroke British person, uh, which for most of us is not the case. Um, but shops are open. It was very alarming. If I'm honest, let's just be honest, it was very alarming to see the volumes of people who were herding themselves into these shops. Now, I get it that there's going to be a level of excitement for bars and shops reopening. Um... It was a little worrying. It was a it was a little worrying, and I don't know why. It felt odd watching it. It felt odd again to watch a, a mass group of people being pushed into a shop. Um, and I just cannot help but feel we're being pushed back towards another lockdown. I just I know I don't want to think that. I don't even want to say it. I don't want to say it. But that's what it feels like, man. Um, so, no doubt, stories up and down the land of people uh, pished in beer gardens, people uh, enjoying the booze again. One guy was being interviewed in Gateshead, I think, and he took a sip of beer and the guy asked him, what does it taste like? And he said, freedom. What the fuck is wrong with people, man? Like, some of these fuckers they had on the telly, it literally is, a, one guy actually said, it's like being let out of prison. Now, I'm going to assume he's never been in prison. Because I imagine that's a slap in the face to anybody who's done a serious bit of time. It's like being let out of prison. He was walking around a zoo with his family. Now, that's a fucking side subject. I mean, of all the opportunities that we had to change things in society, it was during fucking lockdown. And one of the things that should have happened is zoos should be cast to history. Zoos should not exist anymore. If we're fucking all on board with this animal rights stuff and save the planet and fucking bloody bloody, why the fuck are zoos still a thing? I mean, that blows my mind. Anyway, so the zoo opened, family's there, and the husband and wife with her two young children. And she's given the usual, it's just so great to be outside, you know, it's wonderful to be able to do things again. You've been able to do things, you fucking moron. And then he asked him, what does it feel like to be in the zoo? And he went, it feels like getting out of jail. What a pathetic pair of fucking slackers. Oh. So, no doubt, once the beer garden's open in Scotland, carnage. Because, if anything, we know how to booze up here. Um... We've already, in Edinburgh alone, we've already had the running battles in the meadows with the young uh, Sebastians and Finleys of the world. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, one thing I did see... Um, oh, God, we've had these web pages open for... This will show you how long it's taken to get set up. We've had these web pages open for so long, they fucking shut down. Um, this is an article from the, the Metro, and again, you know, quality journalism... But just to give you an idea of the hysteria, and I suppose it's moving back towards classic British journalism, um, and that people go, I don't understand why they make out as if all Scottish and English people are just fighting and drinking, and I don't get that. We've got a wonderful culture here. And here's the headlines that comes across uh, from the British press. Like VE Day. Like VE Day, pubs across country packed as drinkers celebrate taste of freedom. <laughs> Can you imagine going back in time to a man in a trench who has fought off hand-to-hand -hand combat, fought off a fucking Nazi, stopped himself from being brutally murdered, 
had to drive his thumbs into the skull of a German soldier because either it was his life or the fucking Germans in a war, a world war. And in what, 60, 80 years time, saying to him, there will be another day in the UK just like this. And he will think, surely not. Surely we'll learn our ways. Oh, no, no, it's not a war, mate. It's not a war. It's no hand-to-hand combat. It's no life or death. It just means that we're able to get a pub, that we can get a pint again, because we've been in the house for six months. I hope that that man would knife you in the throat. It's like VE Day, a taste of freedom. A collection of pictures of people... uh, Mask crowds. The the thing that's the thing that's amazed me is I know it's outdoors, so you don't need to wear a mask. But it was it was slightly shocking again to see large groups of people not socially distant and not wearing masks. It was odd to see it, and I think that I'm going to have to take a bit of time to readjust it all again because I get very angry when I see people, for example, in Edinburgh, uh, Leith Links, or at the Meadows, and it's just mass groups of people. Or you're in a shop and no one's socially distancing, no one's... I get very angry by it because I think it's such a simple set of instructions that even a basic arsehole could follow them. Yet, there are a lot of people who seem unable to do so. So it's going to take me a bit of time to readjust to getting back to this. It's going to take a bit of time to readjust to having, uh, you know, 50, 100, 200 people crammed into a beer garden again. It's going to take a bit of time to adjust. I just look at the pictures and I think, fucking madness. Uh, pubs across the country, in England, uh, packed on Monday night as lockdown weary drinkers enjoyed their first post-work drinks in four months. Four months, man, that sums it up. Four months. If you can't go four months without getting into a pub, you really need to fucking have a look at yourself. And I know a lot of this is in jest. I know a lot of people will be asked, what is it like? Oh, it's like a taste of freedom. I feel British again, able to have a, a glass of cold ale in my local pub. It's fucking wonderful, lass. Calm down, grandad. I get it. People exaggerate it as a laugh, but in the essence, they're fucking being serious. London Soho was booming apparently with customers as bars set up outdoor seating areas in the street. A video shows punters in the central London area spontaneously clapping and cheering as they made the most of their new freedoms. Pathetic. People took to Twitter to praise the carnival atmosphere with one proud Londoner tweeting, Soho becomes electric. It's evenings like this that London lives for. In the name of God. Uh, Journalist Matthew Thompson, whoever he is, said, Hard to believe this is central London on a Monday night as opposed to some some decadent festival. Spontaneous cheering, people quite literally dancing in the street. Oh, God, it's just... I don't know. I don't know. When I look at these pictures, none of them make me want to... Like this one here, the guy we shut up, man. Like, none of these pictures make me want to go out. Is that? Is it my age? Is it, is it just the, the fact that I'm past all this? Yes, I'd love to be in a pub. But when I think of it, I think sitting in a pub having a Sunday lunch, having a few beers, having a chat, conversation, watching the football. That's that's what I'm thinking when I think pub. I'm not thinking in a street in London with my tap off, screaming on a Monday night. That's no, that's no what I'm thinking, you know. I, I am looking forward to moving back to a pub. I'm not looking forward to paying pub prices. I am not looking forward to going back to a pub and asking for a round and the barkeeper said to me, 47.80. About in the name of fuck... We'll all be searching for a Wetherspoons then, let me tell you. Everybody before lockdown, Wetherspoons is terrible, man. It's fucking pro-Brexit, so it's just the way it wants to leave. Oh, it's a shocking pub run by a shocking man as soon as this is over. You go back to your fucking hipster boozer and you pay £12 for a cocktail or fucking 7 quid for a pint of tenants, you would walk through fire for a fucking Wetherspoons, let me tell you. I walked past one early. £2.10 a pint. Thank you. But when I look at these, none of them make me want to. None of them make me want to go back out boozing. Man, again, maybe this is, this is London. You know, this is something different. Uh, it says here, well, while spirits were high in the capital, some people were arrested. 
Um, it's not clear why the arrests were made. It's just understand. It's under. It's understood. Sorry, that some people got out of hand. Tonight's atmosphere beats the whole of last summer. It really is like having VE Day. Uh, a fifty-four-year-old man said in London, "There is a wonderful raucous hysteria everywhere. It's very celebratory." Again, it's it's like anything else, you know. Everyone's, everyone's, um, everyone was bound together. Everyone was very happy once the first lockdown was over, and then uh, that that feeling of goodwill and peace on earth uh, very quickly went. Uh, these pictures were taken on Monday night. I am recording this on Tuesday night. I imagine as you listen on Wednesday night, that feeling is very much over. I don't think there'll be rounds of applause breaking out in the fucking streets after that. Oh, in the name of God, man. Fair fucks them. I mean, the big thing is I hope that a lot of people... Uh, I suppose I hope that a lot of people take the opportunity now to, to go back out again over the over the the next couple of months and for the rest of the year and into next year. I hope that people can I just say to themselves, you know, I've had enough Netflix, I've had enough Amazon, I've had enough sitting in the house watching the telly, I've, I've had enough of that to last three or four years and I want to get out and experience things. I want to have good food, I want to have drinks, I want to meet people, I want to chat, I want to converse, I want to go and see shows, I want to go and see a play, I want to go to the theatre, I want to go and see a comedy show. I hope people do that, I hope we don't settle back into the normal routine, and do you know what, as I'm saying these things, there's another voice in my head going, of course we fucking will, Gibble, because that's the way life is, I've got this idea that we're all going to become fucking theatre lovers and go out and be very cultured and understand different uh, nationalities and fucking socialise more, I don't be fuck, we're going to get pissed out of our tiny minds for two months, and then the people who haven't died for alcohol poison are going to go back to watching Netflix and getting a takeaway at the weekend, that is what life will be, but let's hope for a better future, eh? Let's hope for that. Let's hope that we go out more and we experience things. You know? Lots of stuff on. Seven days a week, whatever city you're in, there'll be stuff on. Find it, support it. The uh, the bars have been closed, the restaurants have been closed, the the artists, the, the performers that have struggled. Support them, man. Go out and see it. Don't just get pissed, have a fight, and then go back in the house. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Um, right, what's this one? Um, obviously, with the, with extreme joy, there's also been uh, a little bit of hardship as well. I mean, th- this story does beg the question, what constitutes a beer garden, right? Because that's the other thing that I've been seeing as well. I was in Queen's Ferry last week, two weeks ago, and I walked past what would have been a derelict piece of land, and somebody has built, the, unless they got a child to build it, then I apologise, the most horrific four sets of... Um, what are they call picnic tables I had ever seen. Basically, somebody's got a whole load of wooden pallets, smashed them to fuck, and then try to build picnic tables out of them and make it as if there's a beer garden, right? And that's what I'm getting at now because pubs that didn't have beer gardens suddenly now have beer gardens. And the big question is, what constitutes a beer garden? Because all it seems to be is, if you can put a couple of wooden chairs in a car park, bish bash bosh, you've got a fucking beer garden. That seems to be the worry here. So there's been some heartbreak. As it always is. We change. Uh, pub owner's heartbreak after beer garden is trashed the night before lockdown is eased, almost as if he's been targeted. Now, I have to say, this beer garden is the very thing that I'm drawing into question as to what a beer garden is, because it looks to me as if he's got a load of two by four, uh, he's built a makeshift fence, um, and he's called that a beer garden. Now, you know, like Christmas time years ago, the uh, like shopping centres would, would kind of corner off a bit and stick a couple of very terrified reindeer in it or a couple of donkeys and fucking bolt gun horns onto them. Nobody really knew if they were reindeer, but that kind of thing. There would be a, a kind of rudimentary pen built very quickly overnight, shit wood, they'd throw down a bag of hay and then these fucking sad bastard donkeys would stand about and you'd be like, oh look mum, it's fucking Rudolph. This feels what this guy's beer garden's like. So... I'm either going to say that it's a local gypsy pub and they've smashed it up because he owes them money, or he's found out that he can claim insurance on his fucking beer garden. Uh, again, this one's for the Metro. Where else would it be from? Who's who's this? Uh, Jimmy uh, Nasumbag. 
a new name for the Metro. Uh, Pub's beer garden has been smashed up as it prepared to open for the first time in months. Pub landlord Mark Trainer was heartbroken when he found out that his outside area at the Albion Social Club in South Bank near Middlesbrough, I mean, in the name of God, uh, had been trashed on Sunday night. Uh, he'd been looking forward to opening up uh, on Monday after lockdown was eased. Trainer had spent thousands, I don't believe that for a minute, on new seating and fencing, even extending the venue's beer garden into the car park. It now seats 100 people. <laughs> I mean, we even extended the, the original beer garden, which is where the bins are, into the car park. So you've just put, fuck it, this is what I mean, they've just put chairs in a car park and called it a beer garden. Oh, Around 11pm on Sunday evening, vandals smashed through fences and picnic tables, leaving a trail of destruction and debris behind them. After getting a call from a neighbour trainer, rushed down to Henry Street uh, while the vandals were still at the scene. We got a call saying, your pub's getting smashed up. Uh, he scared them away. They probably stopped. Uh, he probably stopped from doing even more damage. Um, he said, "I'd set it up already. It cost me two thousand pound, and we're not making anything at the moment." I mean, it is sad uh, when you think that you know there will be people out there who are vandalising pubs. Um, you know, they'll just try. It's like any other business. They'll just try to get open. But I suppose the question really is, you know, I'm just looking at pictures here. Sorry, what constitutes a beer garden? I have absolutely no idea. Um, I mean, I hope that the good people of... Whoa, what happened to the mic there? I hope the good people of Middlesbrough and... Uh, what was the name of the pub? The Albion Social. I hope they can reopen soon and uh, spread cheer and joy through the... Uh, <laughs> through the northeast. This is This is what's going to happen, is you're going to have every fucking pub, bar, restaurant, cafe, offer, anywhere that sells booze, anywhere that has a licence... They will be frantically trying to set up some kind of outdoor space because that's obviously we're waiting for the pubs to open in Scotland, but it's going to be outdoor serving only. You're not going to be able to drink in the pub. Um, it's going to be it's going to be very exciting to see how creative. That's what we're trying to see how creative certain venues get with their outdoor space. Um, we shall see. Fucking, I can only imagine. I can only imagine the mind boggles. I think. I. I think we're probably no far away from. Uh, just somebody doing like an ice cream van, but with booze, a booze wagon, and I don't mean dial a booze when they come in your house. I mean somebody pitching up in a field with a fucking truck full of bevy, and just dispensing it out at ten pound a pint. People would go fucking mad for it, because that's how desperate we are. They spend money again. I also noticed that the BBC are reporting uh, that apparently over a hundred billion pounds has been saved uh, by UK residents during lockdown, and they are apparently desperate to spend that money. So let me know: Are you one of the people who has uh, has saved one hundred billion? I fucking think not. I love how we're just painting this picture that everybody's new affluent. Everybody's like fucking Ephron Musk. We're all sitting with tens of millions in the bank. Desperate for pubs and shops to open so we can all fucking rush out and spend the thousands that we've saved during lockdown. What a lot of fucking nonsense. But then it's the BBC, so, you know, what do we really expect at this point? Um, What have we got here? 12 things that you still can't do uh, as millions enjoy freedom uh, from lockdown. I think that I think that's the other thing that we need, we need to be careful of. I think that people are, are, are kind of assuming that this is the this is the beginning of the end in the sense you know that you can have a pint in the street again but i think a lot of people are completely unaware that we're still within a tiered structure and there is still lockdown restrictions i really i really don't think that england understand they're still within a tiered structure and i don't think that we will understand it either once uh, our pubs reopen either I do think that as soon as they say the pub is like the the gateway, the pub's the golden. That's the, that's the last frontier. If the pub's open, the country's open. I think that's what a lot of people are thinking. If I can stand another pint, then I can stand another pint, and fuck everything else. I'm going to go in the house. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm going to shine your carpet. I'm going to spit in your dug. The world's back open again. People can't understand that that's not the case. I I, I think that that's maybe one of the reasons why. 
Scotland has brought the travel ban forward because I, I do get the feeling when you're out and about the now that people think it's over. It's V Day. We beat Corona. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, so here's a part of the thing still can't do. Can I go down your house, your friend's house to watch TV? Why do we want to watch TV? Forget TV. TV's dead to his man. Go outside. Get a ball and get like your mother used to tell you in the fucking 90s. Get outside and get some fresh air. Um can I go in your friend's house to watch the TV? You can't have sex with someone new. In the name of Christ. You can't. You can't be shagging, super spreading. No, no, no. If you know them, you can ride them. But if you didn't know them, you didn't bump them. It's as simple as that. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Why we have to stress this, I do not know. Are there a lot of people out fucking riding in lockdown? I imagine there is. Uh, as the rules say, people can't mix with others indoors. Uh, this rather puts the brakes on taking a date further than a park bench or rendezvous. Single people can form a bubble with their new partner and then go on a then go to their place, but people are only allowed to have one bubble. So if you're gonna ride, make sure you're riding the right person. Uh, which is quite a bit of pressure to put on a burgoing relationship. So there you go. Can you go to your pal's house to watch telly? You certainly can pump your pal while you're there, although you do know them. Could you pump your pal if you know them? No, because you're not, you're not allowed to go to their house. Uh, put on a big wedding. Can't Still can't get a big wedding. Uh, stay in a hotel for a holiday. No allowed to do that. Take a foreign holiday. Still can't do that. Go to the theatre or the cinema. That's not done yet. Uh, nightclub. Nap. Attend a sporting event or concert. No chance. Um, although, apparently that's changed as well. What was it saying here? Outdoor sports matches can resume from May 17th with a maximum of 10,000 attendees sitting down or 4,000 standing. Indoor concerts can also start again from the same date of May 17th with capacity limited to 1,000 people. So let's hope we, you know, we might be back gigging in June. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't that be lovely? Uh, take a care home resident out to the park. You can't take them in. They're fucking locked in, man. They're snubbed. Uh, go to an exercise class. Uh, use a sauna or steam room. So there'll be no fucking uh, soapy bum wanks in the sauna. Uh, and you apparently still can't hug your loved ones. Still can't hug your loved ones. Uh, at this moment in time. There you go. But like I said, move in the right direction. You know, move in the right direction. Can't pump a stranger. Can't hug your granny. You know? And if she's got the fucking dimension, she's snipped in the house, uh, you can't go in there either. But I hope it's her. But we're moving in the right direction. You know, we're moving in the right direction. Um, I'm just trying to look at what we've got here. Prince Philip. Oh, yes, of course. Now, I spoke a little bit about this on the... Uh, on the Sunday service, and um, I had completely forgotten all about this story, these people, completely forgotten all about it, and then I, I either overheard a conversation with someone, or I, or I heard someone else talk about it, or they were talking about it to me, and it all came flooding back. We, we will have seen um, a lot of the tributes to, to, uh, to the bald prince, Big P, uh, I did get freaked out when Charles was talking about him and kept calling him Papa. That freaked me. I don't know why. I, I don't know where it's came from. I don't know. I, not, certainly nothing that I can remember has happened to me uh, that would make me think this is the reason. But see grown men or grown women that refer to their parents as mummy and daddy or Papa. That freaks me the fuck, I can't really put into words how uncomfortable it makes me, see if I hear a grown woman say the word daddy, it fucking, it honestly makes me physically sick, I hate it, and seeing all these people who are like, call me daddy, I think they are the most fuck. now listen, when it comes to uh, pleasures of the flesh, I think that you should be free to explore uh, any avenue you want, you know, anything at all. If you have a a partner who is willing and consents, fucking cheese, go at it, man. You want to cover your ceiling gravy? Uh, you know, stick things in your bum? Go mad, right? You want to dress up with dinosaurs and fucking roll about? Do what you like. You want to put hooks uh, in your knees and hang for your ceiling? Go mad, right? 
go mad. Dress up in uh, 16th century clothing and reenact uh, a bombshell raid. Go wild, okay? Have fun. That's what life's about. Especially, especially when it comes to pleasures of flesh and sex. Go enjoy yourself. But don't call anybody daddy. It's weird. It's just weird. And if somebody ever asks you, I want you to call me daddy, leave them. Leave that person. Because they're, they're damaged. They're, dam- they're damaged goods. And I stand by that. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd defend that to the day I die. Um, so Charlie Boy freaked me out a wee bit. But when I when I came across this story again, I was uh, I was reminded of the, the beauty that is this story. And also, uh, you will have seen BBC record number of complaints. Now, this is, this is an odd one. Because I am, on one hand, I'm shocked that they have a record number of complaints about the Philip coverage. And on the other hand, I'm not shocked because there's a lot of sad people out there. I think that we, whether you, whatever your views are on the royal family, I think that we are forgetting that this is the the first death of a senior royal in our lifetime. Yes, we had the Queen Mum, but come on now. She's not really A-team, right? She's not really the A-squad. The bold Philip's the A-team. And... Um, if, if there is any channel who, at this point in the death of a monarch, should be kicking into overdrive, it is the BBC. I don't like the BBC. I think the BBC is a load of shite. I don't think there's really anything that they produce that's of any high quality. I don't think they bring through any new talent. I think the BBC is a load of nonsense. But it is an old institution. It's the British Broadcasting Corporation. And when a royal fucking dies, they're the fuckers that should start up the, the war machine, right? I get that. And if you don't like it, Turn the channel. Watch Netflix, you know? Watch Amazon Prime. Watch fucking Disney Plus. Watch Apple TV. And if you've not got any of these things, then you're a fucking idiot. Shut the fuck up and watch the stuff about Philip. And I mean, also, record complaints to the BBC could be like six. So, let's relax ourselves. Um, But the, uh, the story I saw, and you may have remembered this. Now, I'm going to try and pronounce the name here um, because there would have been a certain group of people who were in, in a, a terrible state of mourning to hear the news of uh, Prince Philip's passing. And it's the Vanuatu tribe. Vanu, Vanatu. Vanuatu. I don't know how, I don't know how to say it. V-A-N-U-A-T-U. Vanuatu tribe. Uh, you'll, you'll remember this story as soon as I tell you. This is the tribe who hailed the Duke of Edinburgh as a god. As a god. Not as a man. Not as a royal. As a fucking god. To these people, this man was a god. Am I a god to some? Possibly. Are you a god to some? Unlikely. But the Duke of Edinburgh was a god to these people. Um... Apparently they're going to mark his death with a ritual wailing. Now, this is a, a group of uh, islanders who believed the Duke to be a reincarnation of an ancient warrior who left the archipelago to fight a war. That's what they believe. So the uh, Prince Philip and the Queen, on a tour, meet these people in the Villaggio. And uh, if I'm right, once they left... They got like a bumper crop or it rained or they got a good batch of eckies or something. I don't know. Something happened and they were all off their nut and they're like, oh, in the name of fuck, it's because he's a god man fucking in Palawewo. And they, they've honoured them since. They put pictures up in their huts. They, they named their dog Edward. They fuck Edward. What's the wrong one? Philip. <laughs> Duke of Edinburgh. They, they love him. And uh, obviously a hell of a state. Uh, a tribe in the remote island nation of Vatenewo who hailed Prince Philip as a god, will mark his death with ritual wailing and ceremonial dancing. An expert said the villagers believe the Duke of Edinburgh to be a reincarnation of an ancient warrior who left the archipelago to fight a war. Uh, the heavily spiritual tribe in Yamanemen on the island of Tana, Vanuatu, in the South Pacific Ocean, believed the leader uh, of the fighters would return with a rich white wife. I mean, in the name of God, no. This sounds... Starting to sound a little bit mental. 
this sounds like you know when children keep asking you the same question why but why is that but why is that but why but why is that and then you just make up some stupid answer you know why is the sky blue the sky's blue because the seagulls uh, reflect the oceans and uh, and God put them there and the seagulls protect God from uh, from human gamma rays for the gamma gun and uh, they reflect back to the to the oceans and that's why the sky's blue nonsense this feels like a nonsense story that was told by a head tribesman to young tribal people to get him to shut the fuck up. And what's happened is he has told them something that to him, to his mind, feels so outrageous. It could never happen. And then what's happened is hundreds of years have passed. The world has changed. And his prophecy has come true. Now he's panicked because it's made him look like a fucking spiritual guru. But also it means that now he has to go along with the lie of a false god. You know? They're all sitting in the hut starving. Starving in this fucking South Pacific. There's nothing. There's no a Greg's. There's no a co-op. There's fuck all. Starving. And they're saying to the heat fucking bummer. You know? With a big headdress and the fancy socks and they're like, Gaffer! When will our luck change? Where's the warrior that we sent out to fucking fight in the war of the Apalecho? To bring back fortune and goodwill. Where is he? Oh, he's, uh, he's on his way. He's on his way. But when will he return? He'll, he'll return there. Uh, he will return with a white, rich wife in the Latin the name of fuck. No chance. A white woman who's rich? Never gonna happen. 200 years pass. Bold Philip rocks up with Lizzie. And they're like, this big bastard looks off of like fucking Apollo that we sent off to fight in the war. And he's got a white wife with a man at much as she worth. And he shows her a fucking five pound note with her face on it. And he's like, Jesus fucking Christ, but prophecies came true. And they love him, you know? They planted seeds, they grew hash plants, fucking they love him. He's a god. Um, they believe Philip, who fitted the bill by marrying the Queen, became linked to the legend in the 1960s uh, when Vanute was Anglo-French colony known as the New Hebrides. Uh, Philip had maintained a respectful 50-year relationship with the tribe before his death on Friday. Uh, Kirk Hoffman, uh, an authority on what is known as the Prince Philip movement, told the Daily Telegraph, I imagine there will be some ritual wailing, some special dances. Uh, there'll be a focus on the men drinking kava, an infusion made from the root of a uh, pepper plant. Cheeky boys. Uh, it is the key to opening the door to the intangible world. Okay, say no more. Say no more. Old DMT cocktails, eh? That's it. Listen, that is how... <laughs> that is how... I think we could take... We could take some teachings from these these tribesmen in this type. Listen, in, in a year and a half that we've gone through where we have come face to face with death on a daily basis, many of us have dealt with it badly. We don't understand death in this country, this part of the world. We don't we don't we don't know enough about it. It's a very fearful thing. Death's all so dark and grey, it's all dark colours, it's all sadness. We don't we don't deal with death. In Scotland, the way that other countries deal with death. As soon as you pass the equator, suddenly death becomes a very happy thing. It's, it's you know, it's rejoice, it's respectful, it's it's remembering, it's celebrating. Whereas up here, it's all, everything's already dark and cold and sad. And that's how you think, how much, how much better would a funeral be in this country if when you put your loved one in the ground all the men disappeared to the back lounge and got out their nut in a DMT cocktail? Wouldn't that be a, f- a far better way to celebrate your granddad's life than sitting around watching an eight-year-old trying to eat soup? Wouldn't it be better if you all got together and got out your fucking nut and in the words of the tribesmen, Transcend into the tangible world. Yes, please. I'll have a pint of cava. (laughs) 
K-A-V-A. Not to be confused with the sparkling Spanish champagne drink. C-A-V-A. Uh, very different at all. Uh, on Tana, it is not drunk as a means of getting drunk. Um, the expert says it connects the material world with the non-material world. Oh, and I'm living in the material world. Yes. Why are we not on Tana? Eh? Two pints of Tana, please, love. I want to connect the material world with the non-material world in, in an intangible connection through the universe. Keep talking, man. This is this is the kind of shit we need. Um, the veneration of Prince Philip of the tribes was one of the more uh, curious aspects of his life. The villagers' special interest in him manifested itself in daily prayers for his blessing or their banana and yam crops. He also featured in photos of villagers' homes, including one of the Duke in a suit in 1980 holding a club made and sent to London by the islanders. Mr Hoffman, a Sydney-based anthropologist uh, who spent 18 years in Vanuatu, said the islanders' honour of Philip is unlikely to cease following his death, although it may change form. However, he added it is too early to know what the group will make of his death since there is limited access to electricity and mobile phones. He added that the tribe's belief system is not tied to the monarchy and so it is unclear if they will now uh, venerate Prince Charles in the same way. I don't think so. I don't think so. Prince of Wales met a man named Jimmy Joseph in the village. <laughs> I was not expecting that name, unless he's from Glasgow, you know. We get everywhere. The Prince of Wales met a man named Jimmy Joseph in the village of Yanomarahu when he visited Vanatu in 2018. Uh, Charles warmly shook Mr Joseph's hand as he presented with the gift. Mr Joseph said, I gave him a walking stick for his father made by the hands of the Prince Philip movement. I told him a lot of people in the movement have now died, but there are some still living. Well, that was a wee bit fucking weird. The Prince said he would deliver the message personally. There you go. All the best, man, to the uh, the Vanuatu, and let's hope the uh, they get on the old fucking Tana. Let's hope Tana becomes uh, becomes a thing. I think uh, I think that should be that should be the new cocktail. Uh, sex on the beach or a zombie? I think you should be able to walk into a Wetherspoons and get a pint of Tana and uh, connect the uh, material world with the immaterial world through uh, a tangible connection uh, across the uh, the biospheres of your mind. Vanu Vanu Natu. Big Philip, man. I mean, that must be a bit of pressure, you know. Maybe not for Philip. Maybe not for a royal. They're under pressure. Um, would you like to go to a village in the South Pacific and for them to think that you're a god and then spend the next 60 years uh, worshipping you? Probably. It's better that than getting eaten by one. Know what I mean? <laughs> I'd rather that than they try and put you in a pot. I would have loved to. Do you know what? That would have been a great fucking podcast. The Queen and Prince Philip, out their nut and Tana, connecting the material and immaterial world. Turn on the mics and listen to them talk a lot of shit. That would be fucking glorious. But there you go. His funeral coming up this Saturday. Uh, we'll see what that's like. Also, it's good. Listen, this is all just this is all just a tester to see what happens when the Queen goes. Because when I, when Lizzie shuffles off, fuck me, man. Those of you who are complaining about fucking Prince Philip being on the BBC, in the name of Christ, man, forget it. Might as well shut the TV down when Lizzie goes. In the name of God. See, when the Queen dies, do we get a holiday? That's the big question, right? I mean, no, I'm, I'm bothered, but surely that's going to be like another national lockdown for, for a month. A month of morning. Interesting. I, I'm no. I don't really have a big opinion in the Royals. You know, I don't. I'm no for or against. I just think there's something that exists. You know, it's like mould. You know, I don't. I don't see it very often. I'm no for or against it. I imagine it serves a purpose, but I know it's there. It's part of life. You know. I don't know. I do think, and I've said this before. I think once Lizzie goes, I think they should all go. I think that's it. I think they've had their time. You know, they've 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 played their part. That's it done now. We've grown, they've grown, you know, summer pedos. Hey, listen, it's, it is what it is. But I think now's the time to call it quits, you know. Once Lizzie goes, well, look, it's been fun, but that's it, it's over, you know. 
he's a, he's a, he's a starting man in normal people now. We're no into that. We don't want you affecting us. It was fine when you were all marrying your cousins and you were all inbred fuckers. But now it's, it's weird. It's as if you're trying to put your tentacles into normal life and preserve the fucking legacy. And we're not having that. So once the Queen dies, we're putting you on a furnace and it's game over. And we're turning the house into a fucking Airbnb. All right? Okay, dokie. See you later. The bold prince, uh, gone, but very much not forgotten. I hope Lizzie's all right, you know? I mean, that's that's, uh, that's the main thing, really, and I hope she's all right. I mean, it's been hard. I mean, a lot of people have been slating the big man, and but the woman still lost her husband for fucking 70-odd years, you know? So, it's a wee shame, man. It's a wee shame, but I'm sure she'll be fine. I'm sure she'll be fine. She's got a couple of corgis she can cuddle. Got a hot water bottle in there. Yeah, she not know the difference. Talk to a cushion, you know? I imagine you get the same level of chat out of him as he, as he did when he was fucking kicking about. Oh, right. What else has been happening in the world we need to talk about? This is one thing that I saw as well. Um, again, reasons why, I don't know. Uh, it seems to be the, the way the world now, but things are happening for no rhyme nor reason. Um, you may have seen it. Christ the Redeemer. The statue, the statue, the statue in uh, Saerio. Uh, de Janeiro, in Brazil, uh, who, fuck me, talk about COVID, Christ, there's a country that's gone through the mill. Although, in saying that, 350,000 dead in Brazil, as we speak. Uh, the UK, I believe, about 120,000. And when you look at the numbers that have been happening in Brazil, the deaths, in relation to the uh, population, it's probably about the same if not less than UK, their their population is, what, five, four times that of the UK? I mean, we should probably just check now. We've got a, we've got a computer here in front of us, Gibble. You're, you're hitting it with fucking bold statements like five times. You could be wrong here. Uh, population of the UK. Here we go. Population of the UK is 66.65 million. Right? So let's just say... Let's say 67 million to round it up. Population of Brazil is 211 million. In the name of Christ. 211 million, 66, uh, three and a bit, three and a half. Three and a half times that of the UK, the population. And if we've got a death rate of... 120,000 deaths so far, and they're on 350. He times that with three, it's fucking, we've got a higher death rate. We've got a higher death rate than Brazil. So it's a problem. I know that people are going mad the way in which the Brazilians have dealt with it, 350,000 deaths, like I keep saying, but in relation to, you know, population, that's that's probably about right, isn't it? That's probably about right. Anyway, they're building a new, <laughs> they're building a new fucking Christ and Redeemer. Um... Southern Brazilian city of Encantado. Encantado. Is building a Christ statue uh, that is even larger than the famed Christ of the Redeemer one in Rio de Janeiro. Um, reasons why? No idea. I saw the pictures of it going up. It's fucking huge. Huge. I wonder if they got a bursary for the, for the Vatican. Huh? I imagine... Listen, I imagine if you were going to build a big fuck-off statue of Christ in your garden. I'm sure if you phoned El Popo in the Vatican, I'm like, listen, uh, brother Brush, I've done the rosary, uh, I can accept the wafer, any chance of kicking is a few quid, I imagine you'd get a wee, a wee backhander, no? Uh, the idea for the statue came from a local politician, of course it did, uh, who died of COVID, sorry to hear that, uh, it's being funded by donations. For the Vatican. Uh, upon completion, the statue will be 140 foot, 43 metres. If you don't give us it in fucking animals, we don't know how tall it is. There will be just uh, two taller Jesus statues in the world. One in Indonesia and one in Poland. There's a, there's a taller Jesus statue in Poland. What? Let's Google that. What's the Polish name with Jesus? Jesus... Statue uh Poland. Where the fuck is this? Christ the King statue and I mean uh, why am I I'm not even gonna to attempt to say that name. Swabudzen. 
Christ the King is a statue of Jesus Christ in Swaysbuzen, Western Poland. Completed the 6th November 2010. Figure is 33 metres tall. The crown is 3 metres tall. Uh, along with its mound, it reaches 52.5 metres overall. What is the point in that? No idea. I always find religion weird. I do. I find, I've said it before. I find it odd. I find it odd that people... Is it odd or is it jealousy that people have that level of faith? Nah, it's odd. The the Polish Jesus looks a bit... He looks a wee bit like he's a, like he's welcoming you in. The, 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 the real ones, you know, hands out on the cross. The Polish ones less. Come on! He's, he's a wee bit more happy, Jesus. He's like, I'm going out for a party, man. I'm fucking turning water and wine in here. Fucking metal. More than me. Fish finger sandwiches and bucky for everybody. <sighs> oh, excuse me, that was horrible. So, yes, uh, second statue being built in uh, Encantado in Brazil. Uh, what other news stories have we got? Um, nothing really exciting from, from this article here. Ah, oh, well. Interesting one indeed. Uh, another part that I'll probably never get to visit. Right, where are we at? Okay, let's say uh, let's do one more be news story and then let's wrap this one up. I should say if anybody has got any questions, um, please do get in touch. I'll uh, I'll stick a wee message up on the uh, on the Patreon uh, for next week. And if you've got any questions or topics for the Sunday service, then send them over. If you would like to uh, get access to every single episode of the show and uh, help support the show. The best way to do that is to become a Patreon, to become a rascal on Patreon. You will get uh, access to the Sunday service, which is an extra Sunday episode, um, which goes out every single week. You'll also get access to all of my comedy albums, plus the comedy specials. Um, and I've got another album coming up very soon, which I'm just finishing off editing. So that will be available to the articles on Patreon, um, or you can buy that separately. Uh, there's also merch. There's merch, merch, merch uh, for the quarantine quiz, t-shirts and tote bags are available. Um, all of which you can get from bigscottgibson.com or go to kofi.com forward slash bigscottgibson. Uh, all the links are below in the comments or go to the socials and follow the links on there. Do that, man. Just do it, you know. Like and subscribe. Smash that bell. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that means. Right. Uh, last story. Domino's, uh, the pizza bastards, um, have launched a robot delivery service. Now, before we read, I'm going to state my claim here and say that one, this isn't the UK, I'm going to say it's America, and two, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Because there has been occasions in the past where BAMs, Hooligans, Neds, Chavs, Scallies, whatever you call them, have stopped delivery drivers, have kidnapped delivery drivers, have done everything they want to them, stole the food and sent them on their way. If there is a robot that has no humans in it to control or defend it, the BAMs are going to be stealing your pizza. It's effectively a challenge to these fuckers. We shall read on. Um, if you're the type of person that hates making small talk with your delivery driver, let's stop there. Does anybody ever make small talk with a delivery driver? Am I just a cold-hearted bastard? I open the door, I receive the food, and I, I leave. There are certain people who I may have small talk with. A postman or woman? Yes. An Amazon delivery driver? No. I don't think that those people deserve my time. <laughs> a postman, I think, I think a postman is different than a delivery man. I think a postman, I see them as a person. And, uh, you know, they will have a, a respectful conversation. Hello, postie. And he dugs, you know, you have a bit of chat. Back and forward, your postman. Uh, an Amazon delivery man, uh, no. No time uh, or respect for you. Hand him a parcel and leave. If you need to take a picture... Uh, don't take one with my feet in it, you fucking creepy bastard, because I know you're going to have a wank over that later. Leave my parcel and fuck off. Uh, a food delivery person? Absolutely not. I'm having small talk with him. No way, Jose. He's my dinner and fuck off. 
you know, this is vital time I'm wasting here. So no. Um, if you detect a person who hates small talk delivery driver, then the new robot delivery service from Domino's could be perfect from you in a very uh, year 3000-esque way. Okay. The robot bot named R2. Fucking get it. What have I said about this before? What have I said about this before? Any Star Wars, Star Trek, Star Fucker, Star Bastard, Star Pedo reference, leave it alone. Call it something else. Pizza bot. Pizza oven. Robo oven. Robo pizza. Dominum robo. Robo nomino. <laughs> Call it anything apart from fucking Star Trek shit. So the robot named R2 will be sent to deliver uh, people their pizzas. R2 will only be available for people who prepay for their food. Even better. So if the fucking bam steal it, nothing's going to harm to them because it's already been paid for. There's, nobody thinks this through, man. So if you see one of these fucking pizza robots kicking about the high street, you know that everything inside it has been bought and paid for. So fucking knock it over. Free pizza. R2 will only be available to people who have prepaid for their food via the Domino's website and who opt into having the bot bring it to them instead of their usual human delivery driver. Upon R2's arrival at their home, the person who ordered the food then has to enter a unique code into the bot's touchscreen to confirm their identity. Do you know what else you can enter into the touchscreen to confirm your identity? A fucking claw hammer. Once the correct code is entered, R2's door will open up to reveal the delivery. It's unknown if angelic music will be played as the door opens. I mean, what if you're trying to order a sneaky pizza, eh? What if you're trying to order a sneaky pizza? You're a fat bastard, right? The wife's got you on a diet. You're fucking cheating, right? You're hiding sweeties in the car. You're hiding biscuits in the house. You're, you're cheating on your diet, right? And she's away to bed. You order a fucking Sly Domino's. R2 fucking B2 delivers it. And then starts playing fucking Sasha your front door. You're like, I've been fucking rumbled. Don't play at Domino's. If you're listening, don't play music. Right? Just turn up. Open the door and fuck off. <laughs> Why are you getting angry, Gibble? Relax. The R2 delivery service is the result of a partnership between Domino and Neuro a self-driving delivery company. However, the delivery option won't be available for all socially awkward pizza lovers just yet, as it stands, it's only been tested in Houston, Texas. What did I say? No, in the UK. This will never work in the UK. Uh, discussing the pizza companies dabbling in the world of robot deliveries, Dennis Maloney, Domino's Senior Vice President, who cares, Chief of Innovation, uh, said, we're excited to continue innovating the delivery experience for Domino's customers by testing autonomous delivery with Neuro in Houston. There is still so much for our brand to learn about the autonomous delivery space. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, as it stands, the deliveries have to be under £5, so it's unlikely your three large pepperoni pizzas and a bottle of Coke will be getting delivered anytime soon. Why do they need to be under £5? No idea. There you go. Never going to work. Never going to work, but good luck to Domino's. Maybe just focus on uh, getting your pizzas better quality rather than having fucking R2-B2s uh, deliver it. Right, uh, guys, that's it. End of an episode and end of an era. Maybe a bit extreme. Thank you for listening, as always. Um, back again next Wednesday, another episode of the Scott Gibson Show. However you are listening to the podcast, uh, whether it be Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, um, iTunes... Uh, SoundCloud, however you listen to it, make sure you subscribe to the show so that you get every new episode as it drops every single Wednesday. And those of you who are on the Patreon, I will speak to you on Sunday for the Sunday service. Um, but once again, please do consider supporting the show, become a Patreon, access all the content. And uh, yes, uh, you know, stay safe. Once the pub's open, don't go crazy. Don't go crazy. And uh, anything else to add? Nothing else to add. That's it. Thanks for listening. Get in touch with any questions or topics. Um, but in the meantime, stay safe. As I say, wash your hands and your arsehole. And I'll hopefully see you on the battlefield very soon. Onwards.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.